Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to DraftKings Network. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I f***ing love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss next. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy O'Connor. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe There are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. There's a song by Special Teams. I think it might even be called Team Florian. We haven't found it yet. Ed OG is on it. Great to have you with us. A lot of people are like, what? Monday, December 4, 2023. It's episode 452 of the Anakin Florian podcast presented by DraftKings. Oh, Kenny, it's good to see your smiling face. How'd you like that pre-show meeting and all the studio adjustments? Couldn't have cared for that today, Ken. <laughs> oh, man, I, I like the intro. The, the, the team, Florian, we got to get on that. That song, dude, I, it, that's too funny, man. So I did an appearance on a hip-hop podcast last week, and part of my appearances was, was sort of rooted in talking about the Boston hip-hop scene. And yeah. I said to them repeatedly during the interview that, Kenny was sort of the impetus for me having any lens into the Boston hip hop scene, right? When you showed up on the scene in Bristol, Connecticut, right at ESPN 2007 <laughs> with all this hip hop in your phone. We had cell phones back then, right? I think we, we did. did. We did. All right. So a lot to get to today. Armand Sarukian and Benil Daryush will lead the show, although we do have to get into Platinum Mike Perry and Eddie Alvarez. So Kenny, I, I, I think I might have a bare knuckle offer for you if you're interested in that particular discipline. Oh, gosh. I'm not sure I'm going to take it uh, after watching some of the bare knuckle stuff. Dude, it's great. I mean, it is brutality in seconds. I mean, the the cuts, the shots that these guys are taking. I mean, we're going to talk about it later, but oh, man, what crazy, crazy. All right. So we have a monetary offer for bare knuckle boxing. It's not bare knuckle MMA for Kenny Florian later in the program. We'll see if he uh, has an appetite for that. Also with us today. Boston Anik, Jason Anik with us. The Jaguar, right? The uh, Jaguar? Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> ben the Bane Davis called me Jaguar, uh, the Jaguar on that APFC nine. But man, if I had a dollar for every time I told you to shut the fuck up, I mean, that's like, what you, who's making this offer for Kenny? You don't have to worry about that. But how come when you came into the show, there seem to be all these bells and whistles, Cody, that are showing up on StreamYard or whatever medium we're using. I don't know if he put his hands in the air, but all of a sudden I see some balloons. Oh, well, the thumbs up. Yeah, go to camera. Cody, we know the thumbs up, right? Do we get give us the that's hey, the, oh, come on. Oh, now he's got fireworks. <laughs> how, how am I why, doing this? Why know. is it Kenny? You're seeing that, right? Yes. So for those on the audio side, I'm not sure if it's our video recording platform stream. Okay. Cody's telling me it's the new Mac emotes. 
Is that what it is? Yeah. The new Mac emotes, you can turn them off in the settings. So if you're audio only, we formally apologize. I'm sorry, Jay. See, I'm playing director today, so I kept it on the two shot as I'm fucking talking. You're good. Back to me. Cody will get them all. So let's just get into Armand Sarukian. Can we just do that, Kenny? How about we do that? So <laughs> Armand Sarukian in a lightweight main event from Austin, Texas, defeats Benil Daryush by straight knockout at 104 of round one. What a myriad performance bonus winners on a most memorable night in Austin, Texas. Uh, but the big winner, of course, Armand Sarukian, who might just be a fight or two away from a rematch with Islam Akashev. Ken Flo, you fought for the belt in this division, 155 pounds. You got to like what you saw out of Armand Sarukian this weekend. Yeah, you know, um, I, I really like Benny as a fighter. I, I just thought this was not a great matchup for him. You know, I, I had pretty strong conviction before that fight I put a couple units on it no, not that I'm always right I certainly am not but um, I, I thought that from, from an athleticism standpoint that Sarukian was going to have a huge advantage there I think that was evident from the get-go I think that his ability to get to get from uh, A to B, you know, uh, he's just so quick. And and Benny isn't necessarily that guy. I think Benny has good power. He's got a great all round game, but I don't think he was ready for that speed and for Sarukian's ability to close that gap very very quickly. He threw a lot of strikes in a short amount of time. I believe that right hand around the ear of Benny kind of hurt him, uh, got him a little off balance, affected his equilibrium. I don't think the knee hit, uh, it didn't hit clean in my opinion anyway, but that follow-up right hand, Benny never saw it coming, put him out. And dude, he like the fight should have been stopped at that point. And those follow-up shots were absolutely nasty. Um, Sarukian's a, he's a bad dude, man. He's a bad man. You were big on those follow-up shots back in the day. If I could, no? if I could squeeze yeah, in there. Yeah, one in there, right? Ahead of the official. So what do you do with Armand Sarukian now? What do you think his ceiling is relative to maybe what you thought his ceiling was going in? I mean, certainly there's already a foundation for him against the champion. We've yeah. only got 64 seconds of film here, but there were a lot of people who were bullish on him. There were a lot of people who wondered aloud why Benil Dariush was plus 240 and... uh have a lot of answers, I guess, as to why this weekend. Well, I, I think that at times when I've watched Sarukian, um, while he is very explosive, he is very fast. I think earlier in his career, you know, especially at the time that we fought Islam Mahashev, I'm not sure he had like the most dangerous game. You, you know, I think overall he was very good. He was very sharp in some ways, but perhaps a little bit impotent when it came to his ability to finish fights. I don't think that's the case now. I think when you talk about the ability to capture the moment in the main event and, and, and the message that you're trying to send the UFC and to the fans, he absolutely maximized it and um, not a, not always a, a, an easy thing to do. So I think that having that history, having the, the wrestling ability, I think he's a completely different fighter than when he first faced Islam Mahashev. He's showing that he's a finisher. He's showing that he can beat elite guys and take them out. Um, and I agree with what you said earlier. I think he's another fighter two away um, and maybe could even, you know, slip in there, assuming, you know, maybe something happens with someone dropping out. Maybe he he could be that uh, second choice for the UFC. But, yeah, I mean, realistically, I think he's one or two fights away. He's building up that resume. He's building up that skills. He's he's building up um, his experience. And 
I think he's one of the few guys that can challenge Islam Mahashev. He's dangerous on the feet. He knows how to wrestle. He's getting better with his submission game and um, obviously has great mentorship over at American Top Team. Yeah, how about Pahumpa, right? Alessandre Pantoja breaking through, winning a world title. I think some PFL success as well for Pahumpa this year, if I'm not mistaken. So yes. a huge, huge year for him. Cody, if you could populate the lightweight rankings for me, uh, that would be fantastic. In terms of being a fight away, another main event away, a title eliminator away for Armand Sarukyan. We do have a little bit of a log jam at 155 pounds, right? Everything in life is about timing, Jay, right? We got we got Justin Gaethje, who just won the BMF belt. We have Dustin Poirier. I mean, Kenny, do you feel like Dustin Poirier is a guy who would, well, that's his teammate, Armand Sarukyan. Mm-hmm. So let's take Justin Gaethje, right? Like, I don't think he's going to fight Armand Sarukyan right now. Charles Oliveira is going to be next for the belt at 155. You're right. I mean, he could be in a backup situation here. I just don't know that there are that many... Op- options right now for for Armand Sarukyan in theory it's great like yeah. yeah all right you know fight Poirier that's his teammate oh fight Gaethje eh, you know um I don't know who he fights I'm looking at some other names I mean Michael Chandler right he's linked to Conor McGregor mm-hmm. Rafael Fazeev I believe has a fight you know there's just a lot going on Dan Hooker's booked I mean do you think Kenny that that Justin Gaethje would fight Armand and Ar- Armand Sarukyan and Rafael Fazeev are, are essentially teammates and have the same manager I, I don't know I don't know what you're right. doing right now yeah, I think that uh, right now he's going to be in a holding pattern for a little while just with everything that's going on. I think that, um, you know, certainly American top team won't be so keen on having, you know, his their their guys fight each other. Um, right. But uh, it could happen. Um, and I, I wonder, I know Poirier was kind of playing around with the idea of potentially going up to 170 maybe again. I, I, I don't know. Um, but uh yeah, I, I think a lot of things just kind of need to play out. Um, I, I do think that I mean, are these updated as of today, or because I, I imagine Sarukian's we're here early to- Monday, so I'd imagine that they might get tweaked a little bit. Oh yeah, Benil Daryush is still there at number four in the world. No, so Armand yeah. Sarukian is going to be in the top four, but yeah. that's why it's a little bit difficult to match make him right now. But either way, it's a right. monumental win. Jay, you got anything for us on this uh, lightweight well, championship? I just want to say, in terms of Armand, well, I mean, certainly like the division is in a tough spot in terms of where he may fight. But from a gambling standpoint, I just think there was a Vegas knew something. And sometimes Vegas knows something. Everyone talking about the line with Benil Daryush being favored against Oliveira, yet a massive dog, two and a half to one here in this spot for a reason. Um, I just think there was a big opportunity on Saragyan, a guy 27 years old on the rise. I think it was a big opportunity, not that I bet MMA, but an opportunity. Uh, I thought that fight, um, I, I thought there was a reason he was that much of a favorite. Yeah. Ken Flo, what do you do with Benny Daryush now? And don't worry about us calling him Benny Daryush. We're just trying to punctuate his highlights. I know you're getting on me, Jay, last week about that. Kenny, uh, gosh, you know, this sport is thrill versus agony. And I found myself just feeling for Daryush, right? You're on the cusp of a championship fight or a title shot. And in a different division with, I think, eight successive wins, at least seven, he might have realized that. Had some success against Charles Oliveira before that fight went sideways on him and then has this loss, and it's going to be real hard for Daryush now to ever realize an undisputed lightweight title fight uh, in the UFC. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and I think in regards to Benny and his style, it, it's another reminder that in this sport, you could be very, very durable until you're not. And I think that um, 
this is where Benny really needs to kind of get much, much sharper with his defense. And, and as far as, you know, where he sat, he's at number four. Uh, yes, the 155-pound division uh, is stacked, but I do think he can battle his way back. Not going to be easy. Uh, with all the killers in that division. But I do think with some adjustments, um, he could potentially battle his way back. But, I mean, 155 has always been, um, you know, just an insane an insane division, uh, one that is is the most competitive, I think, in the UFC. And I don't know. I, I, you have all these other guys that are in the top 15 that are behind Benny that, are all tough fights for him. And I think we can probably say that maybe up till 2025, 20, you know, uh, 20, uh, 25th ranking. It's just, there's so many good guys in that division. And it's another reminder of like, you know, if you do get an opportunity to fight for the belt, you said it a lot, like you can't turn those opportunities down a lot of times, you know, uh, if you're able to fight, like you, you should, you should take that, that opportunity. Um, and I think for Benny, um, this this is going to set him back. No question about it, man. 155 pounds, right? Like, thank goodness for the sake of all of these gentlemen that Alexander Volkanovsky did not win that second meeting with Islam Makhachev because you'd have further congestion there. Hopefully they can get Islam and Charles done expeditiously and then we move things forward. But congratulations to Armand Sarukian. And sometimes life works in interesting ways. And I do think for a lot of UFC fighters, their careers build methodically. And then when they do get to those big fight fights, I should say, man, are they ready? And gosh, was he ready for prime time and uh, just excited for the future for uh, American top teams, Armand Sarukian. Speaking of the depth at 155 pounds, what an interesting week for Jalen Turner. If you didn't see his media scrum, he spoke like a guy, Kenny, who didn't want to be there. I'm not sure how much you ingested of these quotes, but he essentially was saying that he was forced into this setting. And when the name Jared Gordon was brought up in terms of Jared putting his name into the mix to have the Bobby Green rematch, Jalen was like, oh, Jared put his name into the mix. Why didn't he get the fight? And I'm sitting there thinking as a handicap, you know, I fancy myself a handicapper like, well, that isn't great coming out of Jalen Turner. And he had missed weight in his last fight. But gosh, man, when this dude is able to make the weight and channel that violent Jalen Turner, this is a tough flip of the switch for him. Like, it's easier for Valentina Shevchenko, Kenny, to flip the fucking switch than Jalen Turner, right? This is just a very, very nice gentleman. But man, he flipped the switch and he was at his violent best and uh, a huge win over him. Steps up on short notice, gets a bonus and uh, finishes Bobby Green emphatically. Your thoughts? He sure did. And, and I think that's, you know, something that a lot of us have seen in him. There is so much potential. He's absolutely massive for the division. So when he hits you, he hurts you. And we saw that here against Bobby Green, who I thought was playing a little bit too much for the crowd. That's a part of his thing. He's always done that. This is new uh, to him when, when facing someone like Jalen Turner. But you can only do that for so long before someone is going to take advantage. And when you have a guy who can kick like Turner, who can hit like Turner, who has that kind of range, you can't just be lackadaisical with your hands down like that, trying to taunt because you will end up paying for it uh, at the highest level. And, um, you know, uh, I think that uh, for Turner, it showed what he's capable of doing. I think that he's going to gain a lot of confidence from this. I had suspected that he had learned a lot from that hooker fight, from the last couple fights. 
Um, and I thought we would see a much, much better version of him. And, and I think we saw that here. Um, I think he was able to stay composed and he's going to build from this win. And he definitely is someone to watch in this division. I, I could see him climbing the rankings for sure. Did you happen to hear anything that Jalen Turner said before the fight about Dan Hooker? I did not. I did right. not actually. Jay, we're going three wide here. Did you hear anything that Jalen Turner had to say about the the Dan Hooker fight? No. All right. So I'm going to take you out of the fucking shot then. <laughs> so, so again, this media scrum from Jalen Turner, and I happened to be in Las Vegas on some top secret business. So I had a chance to watch a lot of this stuff. And yeah. He said in sort of a passive aggressive way, like, oh, I was at the hospital with Dan Hooker and I I felt so bad, you know, about sort of the condition that Hooker was in, you know, essentially shortening that man's lifespan with how much violence, you know, I had inflicted. Right. And those comments were obviously brought to, uh, you know, your favorite fighter's favorite fighter, Dan Hooker, (laughs) who basically, you know, extended the bird on social media and was like, fuck you, make weight. And Turner missed on his first attempt and then made weight. And good for Jalen Turner. And I really love both of these guys. I mean, Jalen Turner is an absolute sweetheart, but I don't know that you want to, uh, you know, unleash or awaken the uh, poking the bear that is Dan Hooker if you're Jalen Turner. I think you got to do this now again. I think you have to do this again. Of course, If you don't know, Dan Hooker was forced out of this fight with uh, with Bobby Green this past weekend because he rebroke the arm that was initially broken against Jalen Turner. But yeah, Kenny, there's a lot of friction there. And like, I don't know. I mean, maybe there are worse things to, to do after that. You're a busy guy, but dude, go watch that fucking Jalen Turner like pre-fight media scrum. It was pretty insane. That's interesting. I, I would love to see that fight again. I, I, I do think that Jalen Turner is the guy who can make better adjustments in that fight. Um, I think that what that fight came down to, and we, we broke it down last time was Dan Hooker's experience, his poker face, his ability to stay calm and chill. in a lot of those bad spots and Jalen Turner uh, couldn't turn that poker face on, you know, when he, when he was in trouble, but he was landing great shots. It was a very close fight, but sometimes the body language will indicate something very different. And yeah. that's what the judges were going on. Right. So I, I would love to see that fight again. I think it makes a lot of sense. Why not? So when I have Jay in studio, it doesn't mean that I'm going to go to him all the time. I might go to him twice a show. He might give you 120 seconds, right? But some people in our YouTube comments were wondering why maybe I didn't give you more microphone time. And candidly, as we go three wide here, I'd rather listen to Kenny. But I'll give you a single here for a second if you have anything for us on Jalen Turner and Dan Hooker. Keep it three wide. Well, I have a couple things. First of all, and this may be more for Kenny, but it's fascinating to me. Most often. Oh, yeah. Most most you most, like that, Cody? No, <gasps> Cody's going to kill. Go ahead. Most of the time when you have guys together at the hospital or or guys that have fought before, they become yeah. friends or they're very close. So th- that this friction surprises me a little bit. But then just in terms of Bobby Green and how he was finished, Dana White, I believe, said that was one of the worst he had seen um, the stoppage. Yeah, in terms of the stoppage, but but also too, man, it's like just seeing a guy just getting. I mean, Bobby Green even walking over to Jalen Turner. I'm like, someone keep this guy upright. Still, even you know, yeah. minutes after, man. Yeah, yeah, it's no joke, Kenny. Yeah, you were texting the group about that Kerry Hatley stoppage. Uh, I guess that's a good jumping off point to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. We had 
for sure. I, I think Kerry Hatley is uh, a good referee. I don't know exactly what was going on there uh, with that stoppage. It was not a good stoppage as, at all. Uh, he let that go way too long. When you see a fighter who's belly down, who's taking big shots like that, who is clearly not defending himself, you got to hop in there, right? I mean, it's that's when a fighter is most vulnerable. You don't know where the shots are coming. These are hard shots and they're all going to the head. You got to jump in there. Uh, and that was just, um, not a good look at all. Uh, Turner wake up, had Kerry. Already heard him. wake up, Kerry. Yeah. Two man, minutes that and was 49 the, seconds around one. And sometimes too, I feel like, you know what you can't, maybe you think you're settling in, right? I mean, there's certainly some premature stoppages, some round one stoppages and some big fights. And I'm not going to start, you know, naming names right now, but you got to be ready to go as a referee early on, Ken Flo. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I just want to say real quick, <clears throat> I can understand wanting to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. And, and it is a difficult, it's tough being a referee. And obviously if a guy's defending himself on the ground, but when a guy is face down, right? With yeah. your face to the canvas, that has to be a little bit of an extra trigger. You never see guys getting up from that. It's almost, it's all inevitably finished there. Um, and he didn't even land one of those powerhouses from the top. It could have been worse. Hey, Kenny. So Leon yeah. Roberts retired from officiating after he still works as an official, but no longer as a referee, if memory serves, after something that happened on Fight Island. And I don't know which side it was on, right? Premature or late or something that he didn't do. I think I want to say it was almost, uh, I think it was late, right? But Leon Roberts was so sort of affected by that moment that he retired. And I'm not in the business of retiring fighters nor referees, but when you're Kerry Hatley and something like this happens, right? And you're that slow on the trigger. And I'm actually suggesting that it wasn't like, like this, the first part of it, I was okay with the second part of it. I really was not, you know, but like, yeah. I don't know, man. It's time to really look back at the film and consider your options if you're uh, allowing this to go on as long as he did. That's all. Yeah, I, I, I wonder what he was waiting for exactly. Uh, again, I, I brought it up on the text, but I, do you think, you know, Bobby Green, when he was getting hit with some of the shots on the feet against Turner, he was kind of like shushing them off. Like, ah, that didn't hurt me. That didn't hurt me. That didn't hurt me. Like, ah, that's nothing, you know. I, I, did that play into Could've, maybe Kerry's sure. decision? I don't know. But when you're in that position, I just I wonder exactly what was going on in his head of what he thought Bobby Green was going to do to get out of there or why he decided to wait, you yeah. know, way yeah. too many punches. Like, I don't I, 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 I can't really um understand like some late stoppages like okay he didn't have the angle he couldn't see he was in a bad spot he's watching him the whole time yeah. like there was nothing that really could have been misinterpreted and that's why i think it came across as such a bad stoppage yeah um, i don't know all right big things for jalen turner moving forward i'm not sure he's going to wait for dan hooker but big things big fights await jalen turner at 155 pounds so I thought you could argue the night's biggest winner, even though he didn't get a bonus, was Davison Figueredo, man. I thought he looked fantastic at 135 pounds, Kenny, against Rob Font. He wins at 30-27, unanimous decision across the board. Now, our producer, Cody Merrow, believes that Rob Font won the fight. I mean, he's in New Hampshire right now as our producer. I'm not sure if that sort of is part of this equation. Kenny, I thought Davison Figueredo won all three rounds. I thought he looked absolutely great. He's always been a watchable fighter and... uh I think he really looked the part of Bantamweight contender on this night. Uh, agree, disagree, or have any thoughts on that one? 
Yeah, man, he looked great. And I think this was kind of um, a tale of two fighters in that I think Davison looks at home at 135 pounds. I'm not sure Rob Font looks at home at 135 pounds after this one. I think the last few, um, I don't know, energy-wise, he just looks, looks a little gaunt to me when he steps out to fight. I don't see that same energy. I don't see him taking those same shots in the same way that he did before. Whether that's weight cut related or not, I'm not sure. Um, but I, I don't see that same level of durability or his ability to take some of those shots. Some of those shots are big and yeah, that's going to rock anybody. Some of those I didn't think were so much. So I don't know. And, and when you're that much bigger than a Davison Figueredo, you'd expect to be able to withstand some of those shots. Clearly Figueredo hits hard, right? But I don't know. That was a little bit troubling, uh, for me to see. I, I thought fought probably had one of those uh, rounds. Um, I think it was, it, I thought Figueredo won that fight, um, but I, I, you know, I didn't see it so much for Font there, but I think Font could have won that fight. I think some of those exchanges where he got hurt just changed the whole round and it set him off. And Davison did a great job of not only landing critical shots at critical times, but he landed critical takedowns at critical times. And Rob Font, that has been a weakness of his. I thought he had did a great job of being able to get back to his feet. I thought he largely nullified some of the ground and pound, especially earlier in that fight. Um, so how effective those takedowns were, I don't know. Um, but, uh, or how much those were responsible for winning the rounds. I, I don't know, but I think it largely had to do with the, the big shot that Davison was landing against Rob Font. Rob Font has asked a lot of himself, as you and I both know, and cutting down to 135 pounds repeatedly, so many UFC main events over the years. And yeah, he's in his mid thirties. And I think closer to, uh, 40 than 30, certainly at this point in time. And, uh, you know, I consider him a friend. I consider a lot of those guys in the New England cartel to be friends. Sorry about the Calvin Cater image behind me. I love you guys. But no, I think this was a night on which Rob Font just looked a little bit old. And, uh, you know, I do think there are fights left, but I do think this was uh, a tough one for Rob Font. Uh, Cody Merrow, our executive producer, tells me that Leon Edwards did work Cage Warriors in April. So good that Leon is mentally sound enough to get back in there. Cody, you absolutely love Davison Figueredo as a competitor and as a fighter. I know you're close to the cartel as well. You thought Rob Font won this fight. Is your microphone hot? Nope. My mic is hot. I'm here. Uh, I did think that Rob Font did enough, but as Kenny kind of outlined the damage by Figueredo was a little bit higher. So I thought that his power did translate up his speed, maybe not necessarily. So I might run into some trouble, but I did think font did enough, but according to MMA decisions, I'm the only one that thinks that. So I'm willing to rescind my comment here within the, within the show. What a stand-up guy though. Well, no. And yeah, guy. you just, yeah. Stand-up guy. I was just about to say, I, I actually, I know we use that term robbery carefully, but had font one, that would have been a robbery in my eyes. I would agree. Thank you. All right. Let's uh, spin it forward for Davis and Figueroa. He wants this Dominic Cruz fight, Kenny. And I think the, the calendar could actually align. I think the calendar could actually align. So here we are, Monday, December 4th. Figueroa didn't sustain anything amounting to appreciable damage. And you can understand why he would want that fight against the consensus greatest bandweight of all time, our good friend Dominic Cruz. Cruz, he wants to fight in March. I think on his birthday, UFC 299, Miami, Florida, USA. I think Cruz Figueredo happens at UFC 299 in Miami. So you heard it here first on the Anakin Florian podcast. We'll see. 
that's a juicy one, man. That would be a great fight. Um, really interesting one. Really interesting one. Uh, let's do it. All right, so Figueredo firmly in the mix at 135 pounds. We'll see what happens with Rob Fawn. I do think that he still is a name. You know, he still can uh, can have main main events built around him, but his next fight is going to be of the hugely important variety. I'm not sure you're going to see Font at 145 pounds before he uh, goes off into the sunset there in Woburn or, uh, or fucking Lemons to Massachusetts. Are we doing this again? Second straight I mean, week? Oh, hey, oh did we do it last week too? Yeah, you did. It, it was, uh, Five's the bolt. Yeah. Oh, he could end uh, up in fucking Bonstable. I mean, if you rob Fong, where are you going to retire, Kenny? Where are you going to retire? Where are you going to buy <laughs> land if you rob Fong? Maybe you just want to stay close to family there in fucking Woburn or Lemonster, right? I mean, can, could he afford like Sherburn or the fucking Dover area? Dover? Yeah. Rob Font, you're the man. I hope you've realized financial freedom. About Florida. Career. Let's go. Florida. That's <laughs> Florida. good, too. That's good, too. All right. Joaquin Silva over Clay Guida. We do have Ray Longo coming up. So, oh, we got Raymond on the screws of 1130. So, let us not make the star of the program wait any longer and uh, lay out for the Ray Longo Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture? Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah, we are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy schmancy tilt sip smell routine or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture, telling the stories of rogues and rule breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes Wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes, the official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California. Hi, 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 hi. There he is. Good morning on a Monday. Ray Longo. How's the hair look? The hair looks great. I mean. You know, the last week you said, how do my kids do it? I asked my kids, how do I look? They said, you look unbelievable. (laughs) La Familia. What do you think? My kids are going to say anything different. They love you, Ray. They love me. So. Those were real conversations that happened. See, my daughters right after, go about yes. things much differently, right? You know, my son will be like, Dad, you're looking a little fat. <laughs> and my daughters will, when I do match my clothing, however infrequently, they'll be like, oh, wow, Dad. Like, you actually gave a modicum of a shit today. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I'll tell you, there's no shit like a modicum of shit. There you <laughs> that go. Is, that uh, is unreal. Unbelievable. So, right. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I sort of a fluffy answer when I said your hair looked great. You still got the headphones of lettuce over your your ears, but yeah. we have a lot to talk about, so <laughs> maybe we'll table that. How was your weekend, though? Huh? <laughs> I know yours was good based on your energy. Uh, well, mine one was- thing I can always control is my energy. Sometimes I don't. I don't want to like get on Ken Flo's nerves, but I got, I got energy. I'm jumping out of my skin. Yeah. Right. Time. Kenny, come on, man. Up your game a little bit. I, I don't think I need more coffee. Take, take uh, a, take an Adderall match this guy. <laughs> would you? 
Let's go. I haven't taken any speed in a long time. Maybe. <laughs> How define long? Decades, Ray. Oh, decades. decades. Wow. I think someone slipped some speed in my drink at Gettysburg College in like <laughs> 2000. <laughs> Good but night, you didn't. Though, huh? You didn't. You didn't swallow. That's what. That's what counts. <laughs> oh, <my> God. <laughs> right. We're just going. Uh, Kenny, want me, still want Kenny let me reel him in. in let me reel him in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to reassess. Yeah. Ray, you got cold brew in that mug, or are we going hot coffee today? No, we got. Uh, believe it or not, matcha tea in that cup. Wow. wow. Oh yeah. Diversifying. Can you take oh. the fucking protein powder out of the shot? <laughs> the pro- is there protein powder in the shot? The corner. There's something that? in front of the Bro, camera, right in front of your face. No, it's not. There's nothing. There's no protein up here. Hand sanitizer. All right, we got some hand sanitizer. Jay, can you ask? Can you what ask else Ray? Is there? Jay, can you just ask Ray about Armand Sarukian or something? Because I, no, yeah. I just want to let him know there's not nearly as much caffeine in that matcha. You know that. I know. I know that. I do know that. I go to the cold brew right after this, but yeah. you're 100 right. It's a nice, yeah. easy caffeine. Nice and mellow caffeine. That's why yeah, I'm so mellow today. I like it. I like it. So, like yeah, Armand like, Sarukhan, I assume you saw the fight. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Right, well, maybe you could talk about it now that the hand sanitizer is not just ruining. You know, I'm going to move on, but it's like for the audio only, I apologize. Right? We're on the DraftKings Network. We apologize about the hand sanitizer in the shot and our unkept third host, Ray Longo. <laughs> right. uh, talk uh, to us guy, about Armand Sarukhan. Wow, Sarukhan. I tell you, he what? come out guns blazing as usual. Right, it's, just, it's nothing like a Monday morning on the Anakin Florian podcast. We're just excited to be here. I mean, this is how I corral my friends. I make them come yeah. on a podcast with me. That is true. <laughs> you are excited. That is true. That is where the energy is coming from. Hey, it's that's it. Yeah, we'll look, look how we look how we how we handled that that grounder. Woo, we sucked it right <laughs> up. Uh, all right, let's see it. Let's go. Saruki and the guy's a beast, and he deserves a title shot. Well, right. And I love that you cut to the chase, right? Because yeah. it's a tremendous knockout. And and maybe this type of highlight gives you a different lens into just how good the guy is. But that's the issue, right? Yeah. Title fight. Oh, but wait, like they're trying to decide if Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje should get it. Never mind this guy. Right. And Poirier's his teammate. So it's a little bit a uh, little bit muddy as uh, as Redman might say. The the waters are muddy, Ray. Well, when you know, listen, when you have gy- when you have gyms like that, it gets muddy. That's the first thing. You know what I mean? And it's not like you have guys growing up together. You know, like like I have. We have guys that are coming in from all over the place, and then you got to make these decisions. I don't know what happened with Ian Gary, but I, it looks like where is he training? Didn't Shell do a thing on that? Or so I didn't even listen to it, but I saw the headline. Where is Ian Gary training? Well, I know at times during this training camp, he has been training with Damian Maya and Charles Oliveira in Brazil. Oh, okay. So he's in Brazil. You can do worse than that. Yeah. No, right. uh, but I'm just saying, like, this is what happens with that. So Suruki and I do believe, you know, deserves a title shot. He and listen, he did fight him tooth and nail on short notice in Russia. Kenny, one of the best fights I've ever seen for scrambling back and forth. I mean, yeah. he did get tied in the third round. I think that was the difference in the fight. But if he took that fight on short notice against a, a killer like um Islam, I mean with a full training camp, I mean, anything could happen, obviously, but that's a that's a tough fight for both guys. But I'd love to see that fight over every other fight. Me personally, yeah. I'd like to see the rematch. 
No, I like your I like your enthusiasm for that. Yeah, no, tremendous, tremendous good. performance. Yeah. No, even without that, he's good. That guy's definitely yeah. good. Yeah. So we were talking about Kerry Hatley, the referee involved in the Jalen Turner, Bobby Green stoppage. And we spent yeah. a lot of time on Jalen Turner and stepping Ooh. into this fight and tremendous career move, right? To albeit reluctantly take this fight to make weight with that frame at 55 and then to perform the way he did. But, you know, unfortunately, I think for Jalen, you know, some people are talking more about the uh, the stoppage being uh, a beat or seven too late, Ray. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, obviously, look, that that was pretty bad, you know, but I don't think that takes away one no. iota of the performance by Jalen Turner. I mean, no, just, <clears throat> just the conversation a little bit. But I guess so. Jalen. Phenomenal. I mean, the guy's I mean, he's. He's a major problem in that division also. He he's got the height. He looks like he's learning how to use his range perfectly now. And uh, whatever adjustments he's made, he's he, he's got the size and he looks like he's got the he's got the fight IQ too. I think he learned a lesson from the uh, the Gamrod fight. And I think he's he, he's another guy that's that division is really tough up there. Really, really tough. Yeah. All right, so we were talking about Davis and Figueredo and his win over Rob Font. Sometimes, Ray, a fighter will have a performance that makes me think in my head, like, man, that guy should be bet on in his next fight, right? And I don't care who Davis and Figueredo fights in his next fight at 35. Seems like so much of the narrative on this man's career was about the fight before the fight and when he would fight at 25, how would he hold up? I thought he looked really great against Rob Font. Do you have anything for us on, uh, on Davis and Figueredo? Listen, I thought Rob Font was going to win that fight. You know, I just thought he was the, you know, the bigger guy. He's been there. He's, you know, the striking is, he's going to nullify. But, man, I got to give it up to, to Figueredo, man. I think that was, that was, I got to say, that was the best fight I've ever seen him. And I know he had the great fights with, uh, with, um, Brandon Moreno. Yeah, Brandon Moreno. But this, I just didn't think he was making that shift up. That's not easy to do against a, quality opponent like that and he did it in flying colors so yeah man i'm dying to see his next fight he did he did build a lot of man i can't wait to see him fight again because it's it's very interesting and that and that's another stacked division where he could be in a great fight anybody he fights in there is going to be a like a marquee name at this right. point you know so he's in a he's in a great spot uh it's a little you know font's been around for a while so you know, we'll see where he goes, but I think he'll bounce back from that. He had a great win over Giannis, and uh, that's that's MMA, man. Suck it up and move on. You are right, though. Davison Figueredo puts himself in yeah. such a good place. I mean, he could find himself in a fight against one of your guys in the not-too-distant future. You never know, right? But as a former Without champion, a doubt. it almost matters not what number is next to his name, not unlike Dominic Cruz. Ray, what's your appetite? Dominic Cruz, Davison Figueredo uh, under the lights in Miami in March. You like that fight or no? For who? <laughs> oh, I like to fight, but oh, I you love asked your veracity. <laughs> See how honest he is, Ray, yeah, all the I time, Ray. Yep. So yeah, he's, not, he's, yep. he's, pumped, he's about pumped. to give us a pick. You don't uh, like wait, that fight on. for First, Dom? Is that what you're telling me? I don't like that fight for Dom. If right. I was, I don't like that fight. I think he's, right. you know, he's the speed thing, and Dom's Dom's whole game is based on that movement, and that that's the first thing to go, I think. And I don't think he's got the power to keep him off. He's got to rely on the footwork and the angles and. I'm not sure that's going to be enough, but I mean, it'll be a great fight. Dom's a student of the game. And wait, first of all, it's, uh, I'd love to know Dom's 
opinion. Like he 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 thought the Bobby Green fight was stopped too early. I'm sure. No. <laughs> Can we call him? Can we find out? You want me to FaceTime? FaceTime. I want to know what he thinks because that guy. Him. I mean, the guy gave him every opportunity. Is he happy now? That poor <laughs> Bobby Green had to take another forty fucking punches to his head. <laughs> Dude, I, I will bring Dom on next week, and you guys can hash that out together. Uh, yeah, Dom probably thought it was a beat, a beat too late there out of Kerry Hatley. But your point is well yeah. taken. Right I'll, tell you, I'll tell you, it just—I'm not defending Kerry Hatley. It was a really horrible stoppage. But you know, it was a night previously that was filled with guys that fights could have been stopped that came back and won, and mm-hmm. maybe that had a little something. You know, you're watching that, you're going, "I'll oh, be giving it up," and then it's just, you know. Listen, you could throw eight punches in two seconds, so you get a split-second decision. I mean, he didn't make it, and Bobby, unfortunately, really looks like he took something that took some extra punches that really could have an adverse effect mm, on the rest yeah. of his career or life. He got up, he just, you know, Bobby's a happy guy. Everybody, right, I, think, right. I think he's grown on everybody. Where Everybody loves Bobby Green at this point. He's just got that attitude, and he's a company guy. He jumps in there, but... I tell you, when I saw him get up and walk over there, that was a guy that was physically fucking hurt, man. And that that's what bothered me more than anything. It's not even yeah. it's I just hope he's all right moving forward. But uh yeah. but I think it was a night where, man, so many fights could have been stopped and they came back and won the fight that right. who knows? Everybody's human. You know, it has it, it happens, but um yeah, that was I, I just like again, I hope he's all right. He, it, that looked really bad after he got up. It wasn't like he was fine. He definitely 100 percent wasn't fine. So yeah. uh, hats off to uh, to Jalen for a great fight. And I really hope Bobby Green's good. He's, I think he's one of the good guys in the sport now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, we uh, we send our thoughts out to Bobby King Green. King Green actually changed his name officially with documentation to King Green. And, you know, I didn't necessarily care for at least what I saw, the visuals of Armand Sarakian sort of closing the distance there on Bobby Green. Can't let anybody get that close if you're Bobby. And I do agree with you, Ray, that Bobby is one of the good guys and uh, should yeah. be celebrated. But this was a tough weekend for him. All right, I want to uh, get everybody's opinions on this. I'd like to lead with Ken Flo. Because you had three units on Sean Brady over Kelvin Gastelum. He gets it done by Kimura. I think a lot of people, it's a simple sports handicap, felt like Sean Brady off the first career loss of his was going to bounce back in a huge way, regardless of opposition. But he happened to be fighting a very motivated Kelvin Gastelum moving back to the welterweight division. I think he fought a great version of Kelvin Gastelum, even if Gastelum's ground game didn't hold up, Kenny. And I know you have a lot on that, but Sean Brady is the real deal. And... um, you know, I feel pretty confident in saying I would have absolutely lost my voice if I had been on the call. What a huge win for Sean Brady over the weekend. Uh, no question about it. I, I think that Sean Brady was on point on everything. He made one mistake when he was trying to take Kelvin's back and Kelvin was able to get on top. But even from that, he stayed composed, really never allowed Kelvin to capitalize on that small mistake and was just dominant. Uh, and, and you don't see a whole lot of people do that against someone like Kelvin, uh, particularly, I think, in the grappling realm. Uh, Chris Weidman, I think, was able to do that and, and control him like that. But, you know, you're talking about a different weight class. And Kelvin came in in awesome shape. This is the best shape that I've seen Kelvin, Kelvin Gastelum in in a very long time. He looked motivated. He looked passionate. But Sean Brady just seemed to be a step ahead every single time. I, I don't think Kelvin came in with um, 
like a clear game plan. It seemed like he was out there just throwing stuff and didn't really have a clear game plan of what he actually wanted to do because he really wasn't making any adjustments in that fight either. He was kind of just doing the same thing. And Sean Brady was just running him over. And Sean Brady was a smaller guy, but it looked like he was the big bully out there which made it all the more impressive. And going out there and dominating a guy like Kelvin Gaston, I think for Kelvin, he's going to have to you know, get back to training and really try to focus on making his game better instead of just preparing for a fight. And I think sometimes fighters only train when they have a fight coming up. And I'm not saying that's the case for Kelvin or not, but you know, you, you have to do all your work when you are in the off season, you yeah. have to do everything possible to make sure you're evolving your game. And I'm not sure we've seen a real big evolution in Kelvin's game for a long time. Ray on the broadcast, Daniel Cormier was talking in superlatives about Sean Brady and Sometimes there are just performances that stick with you for me, like Colby Covington against Robbie Lawler, of course, immortalized behind me, Max Holloway against Calvin Cater. You know, I hesitate to put this one in the class of those two, but gosh, this felt like a masterpiece from Sean Brady. I loved watching him perform under the lights, and uh, I'm really excited to see how far he can take this thing. Yeah, uh, I, I can't think of a better, better way to come, come off a loss and fight a quality name, a marquee name who still look good, uh, for Sean Brady. So for his confidence, for I just like his demeanor. I mean, you know, your back's not totally against the wall, but it's kind of against the wall. You're a prospect. Everybody's talking about you. You suffer your first loss. Sometimes that's a great thing, Kenny. You get that monkey off your back. Now I could just fight. I, you know, I could fight for the love of fighting. I don't have to protect my win-loss record. Some guys really respond great to that, and I think we've seen it with Sean. As far as for Kelvin, and I and I, I like, love both guys, and I always, always like, Kelvin, even when he was fighting Weidman, everything. But I don't think the guy ever has a game plan, Kenny. That's the problem. I know when we looked at the fight for Weidman, I, I, one thing I would change with Kelvin Gastelum, and, I, I, and again, I'm, I'm coming from a spot where I like him. I think his fight IQ is absolutely horrendous. Like, I remember with Weidman, I go, the good thing with Kelvin, you take him down, he's not, he's chilling. He's not going to scramble back to his feet. He's going to give you time and you don't want Weidman on. He's too big, you know, for that matchup. And I think we sort of say, look, we saw it with Hermanson. Hermanson almost, I think, gets him in a leg lock. He's killing Hermanson standing up. What does he do? He goes right back into the guy's guard to give him another shot. Mm -hmm. Like he, he's made some really bad decisions. And again, there was no, if I'm Kelvin, the first thing I do, I'm frantic. My back hits that 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 canvas. I'm getting back up. I'm not yeah. sitting down there. He lets everybody settle in, and when the guys are really good at jujitsu, he just it's not good. And I saw it again. Uh, you know, he's just chilling out, and the next thing you know, he's in a what was he in a, a head and arm choke? I forget how he. Oh no, he got the Kimura, but he wasn't a head and arm choke. Then he gets out of right, that, right? And instead of getting like crazy, like man, I got to get out of here. It's only a matter, of, you know. You can't keep giving guys chances when they're on top to submit. And I think that's what we saw. But I never like like game plan. He looked like he was the same Kelvin. Always the one two, relaxed. You know, he's throwing his arms up. You could see he's chilling out, but. I think Kelvin's got, if he wants to proceed, because I think he's got power and he's, you know, he's got a lot of, he's got to get frantic in certain situations. Yes. Change that nonchalantness when he's in there. You know, yeah, we get it. You're relaxed, but there's a time when you got to get cuckoo. You know what I mean? Like he's just, right. 
too relaxed. I saw the same thing I saw when I looked at it when Weidman fought him. So that was years ago, too. All right, well, I thought the first thing you said in terms of Sean Brady distancing himself from that Bilal Muhammad fight in the best possible way was a good way for us to spin this thing forward. So if you don't know, on the Anakin Florian Podcast YouTube channel, Jay, you host a show with Bilal Muhammad Weekly. Remember the show. It's a game show. So Sean Brady said, actually leading up to this fight, that he would beat your guy Bilal Muhammad nine out of ten times. He's 0-1 against him, so he would have to win nine straight. But I guess bigger picture than that, uh, what are your thoughts on Sean Brady calling out Ian Machado Gary and him moving forward here uh, at 170 pounds? It's a great call out. I think losses uh, do so much for these guys. Bilal Muhammad's last loss, which was long time ago, uh, to, to Jeff Neal. Go back and watch that fight. Go back, go back and watch how tough Bilal Muhammad was in defeat on that night. Um, but no, I love the matchup for Brady. You know, like you say. If you're competing for a championship and you have a loss, right, it is a two year setback. And I'm not necessarily. And so you could say for Sean Brady, yeah, he's working his way back up. Right. Had he beat Bilal, things might be a little bit different for him. But he's got to I think Ian Gary's a good fight. I think for both of them, um, there are a lot of that's one of those fights where I'm like, man, I don't really want either one of these guys to lose at this stage. So I love it. I would think maybe they put that put the fight with Jack Della Maddalena back together. Ken Flo, you know, the Sean Brady, Jack Della Maddalena fight that had been booked. Uh, I would be, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing that, but a huge win for Sean Brady. Um, anything else for us, Ray on UFC fight night, Daryush versus Saruk Yan, Joachim Silva against Clay Guida. I mean, Kemflo, can we get a little from you guys on Clay Guida? Like you guys know I'm hard on, on the guys that Kemflo beat, right? <laughs> but dude, what an absolute warrior doing this wow. at, at such an advanced age, Ray, like, just like my ultimate respect to Clay Guida. I mean, just for that alone, he won that fight. He won the fight. I'm giving the guy the fight. I don't yeah. give a shit. 41, the guy's got energy popping out of his head. I don't know what's going on in that corner. You know, I, I tell you, he's been <laughs> fighting for so long, his brother's slaps have slowed down. His brother got so old, he can't even slap him right anymore. It's like it's like an old guy slapping him now. Like, this, is how long, this is how long this guy's been around, Kenny. Like, this is crazy. So... I, you know, I wasn't really watching the fight to score it, but I got to tell yeah. you, I, I at the end of the fight, I literally thought, you know, uh, his aggression and some of the, the takedowns won the fight for him. I don't, I don't know. I would have given him the fight just on it's, uh, you know, it's Clay Guida and the guy's still a juggernaut in there. Uh, I don't know. To me, he won the fight. He's oh, he 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 won that fight. Huh. Clay Clay is a damn gangster, man. Yeah. I mean. Forty-one years old, and to fight with that level of passion, like he's not out there to collect a check. He's out yeah. there to kick oh, ass and take names. Like, like, you know, that is very rare, man. This guy has been around the sport forever, um, and that's not the guy where I'm like he needs to hang it up. Like, I, right? He's he's still in this game. He's still trying to win. I I, I see little, you know, pieces of his game that are evolving, that are getting better. He actually hurt. Joaquin with a couple strikes here and there. He's yeah. fighting for those takedowns. He's getting those takedowns. Um, that was a close fight, man. You know, um, I, I think one of the rounds was not so close, but uh, he could have pulled it off. And uh, Clay has my ultimate respect, well, man. They don't 100%. make him like Clay Guida. No, they no, don't okay. make him. No, come on, man. That that was that was great. Fighting off submissions and staying in that fight and making yeah. it competitive. Yes, very competitive at 41, Ken Flo. 
I, I, how, I don't, I don't remember a time where someone has head bobbed their way out of a guillotine. Like he literally was just <laughs> trying yeah. to snap him off like he was a five-year-old. Like, yeah, that's cute. I'm gonna keep trying this until this works because I ain't quitting. And eventually, it just popped out. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Man. No, no, really, and that, and, and Kenny at that weight too. They don't right. last that long. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like he's got heavyweight power where he could always hit you with one yes. shot and get you. He's still got to grind for it. And that's kind of like he's older than than Dom, obviously. But Dom's game is such a speed game with the angles. And the, that's the first thing to go. You can't. It's hard to maintain that. But if anybody can, it is Dom because I think, like, again, he is a student of the game. But he gets Clay Guida energy. Then I say it's a good fight for him. <laughs> you know, with yeah, Figueredo, right. you know, yeah. but he needs that. He's got a, he might have to hire Guida's brother to smack the piss out of him before he gets <laughs> in need, there. We need a Guida energy drink. Yeah, we need a Guida. I mean, it, would yeah, just, right. it would just sell out. Guida energy. It's Ray, that's Ray's idea. Uh, yeah. yeah. Some, there's awesome. some play on like Guida and Guarana, but I don't yeah, know. There you go. Oh, yeah. shoot. So, yes, the Jason Guida slaps have slowed down. So if the Guida brothers are listening, hopefully Jason will really bring it for Clay's, you know, 78th UFC appearance later. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, how old is Guida's brother's got to be like a bunch of years older? Guys, like, yeah. I didn't expect to be in my 50s. Still right, doing are we this? still doing this? Clay? Are we still doing still this? Doing Clay? Clay? Clayton, Jesus me? fucking Christ. Let me, yeah, let me just make like I'm smacking you. Yeah. You know what I mean? All right. I would like to transition if we could to bare knuckle fighting championship. And I think I finally found a setting, Jay, in which you and I can compete against each other. I think if we had gloves on, I don't want to grapple, right? If you and I had gloves on against each other, that's way too concussive. And that may seem like a terrible transition, but I'm telling you, Kenny, if Jay and I competed, I'm going to take you out of the shot for a second. If Jay and I competed in bare knuckle, like I, you know, these two minute rounds, I think it'd be over in three or four minutes and one of us would have a win and the other would have a broken orbital. Ray. Yeah. Kenny. This just, shit is fucking insane. No, no. Yeah. Well, That's I think, and, and I think, yeah, ahead, hold on. Okay, let me just say, I, I think when you get two guys like Alvarez and Mike Perry, that really both of them could stay claim to this is tailor made for them. Oh. Even even as they're getting older, dude, that they were throwing down. Kenny, like. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Jason, Jason, can you reach across and choke him? I just want to listen to what Kenny has to say. This yeah, go ahead, Kenny, go. <laughs> hey, go ahead, Kenny. Uh, I, I can't. I think I lost my train of thought now. But yeah, no, listen, I, I think that it, it's one of those things where you could win. Yeah, you'll have one guy who wins, one guy who loses. But if I lined them both up, and I asked you, which guy do you think won? You wouldn't be able to tell yes. the difference because both those guys are typically winner and loser. They're both going to the hospital like 90% of the time, uh, you know, and so much damage can occur in these bare knuckle fights in a short amount of time where you're like, okay, cool. They didn't absorb so many punches, but man, they look like they went face first into a wood chipper. I mean, it, it's, it's nuts. Eddie Alvarez was winning that fight, but he lost because he could not see. And Mike Perry's face, again, his nose on the other side of his face, and he wants more. This guy is a savage. <laughs> he is an absolute savage. You need a weapon to stop Mike Perry. Like, yeah, yeah. like now he's he's another one. He's not if he's breathing, he's coming forward. He, he he's a beast. That, nuts. That that fight was crazy. I, oh, I thought yeah. Alvarez had some great moments, but 
dude, that sport is something else. Well, and John, you made a point about Eddie Alvarez almost, you know, his corner throws, throws in the towel at the end of round two, but you, I think, alluded to the fact more like he, he, I hate to even phrase it this way, but wanted out, meaning with the eye, couldn't really see. Sort of, yeah, yeah and, don't uh, phrase it that way. Yeah. No, I don't mean to phrase it that way, but sort of made the decision. And I don't blame, you know what I mean? Like, all right, that's enough for tonight. Right. Yeah. Self-diagnosing your own broken orbital almost assuredly, Ray. I guess, Ray, I'm just curious as a coach. Uh, yeah. This just seems, and again, right, they come back to the corner. Obviously, it was good boxing advice yeah. in Platinum Mike Perry's corner, right? And he used it to inflict a lot of damage in that second round. But Eddie Alvarez got off in round one. I mean, he was sharp as a fucking tack, landing everything. I don't know, man. I was I was effectively blown away by those formats. Well, look, I think the the I don't know if it's the beauty of bare knuckle boxer, but about uh, bare knuckle boxing. But Eddie Alvarez obviously is the more talented striker out of the two. But when you got when you're as tough as nails like Perry, it, this is a sport where you could take one, take a couple to give one and still have an impact because he does, he obviously hits hard, but like, again, he doesn't have the technical skills, but he's got the toughness that makes up for it. And I think that's what you saw even with this fight, you know, Eddie, Eddie, yeah, Eddie was looking good, but you know, your orbital's broken. It's broken. I don't know if that was the case, but um, yeah, what a, it, it's a crazy sport though. Kenny, it seemed, yeah, like Mark Henry, they were trying to center their guy and give him a lot of good advice and hope yeah. that maybe the fight would continue. But there was just no way that Eddie should take another shot if he does want to fight again. And I know Eddie Alvarez was sort of jonesing at the possibility of this fight being made for a rematch in Philadelphia. Right. Uh, Kenny, like, <clears throat> excuse me, the brutality of it, to me, it's, 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 it's addictive to watch. So I think it's like highly watchable for me. It's more... Hmm like throwbacky for me, I think, Kenny, yeah. in terms of like UFC one, in terms of the sheer violent nature of it. Uh, but I think, Kenny, what I texted you was like, I don't know how I would call this sport exactly uh, because right. it was just sort of, right. I don't know. It was, uh, I don't know. I guess this is just the first time where I've sort of sat down and watched a lot of it. And uh, man, that's some shit. Well, when you say you know? called a sport, it's like, it's almost like not a, not a sport. Right. It's like so you think about oh, calling a sport. MMA is much more of a sport. No, I don't think that. No? I think it, it just it's uh, no. I mean, I just think, yeah, I guess probably Kenny, once we start calling it, you just fucking let it rip. But it's huh. brutal, man. Like you're trying to avoid as a commentator, Kenflo, being like, oh, like, oh, you know, <laughs> I know sometimes on a UFC telecast, we go overboard with the oh, yeah. you know, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. No, absolutely. It's a bunch of oohs and ahs when you're watching that sport. Um you know, a, a lot of damage happens in a short amount of time, as we mentioned. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that Alvarez made that decision. You know, first of all, you couldn't see out of that eye. A broken orbital are, are the kind of injuries that can end your career, period. Uh, or uh, not allow you to see the same ever again. So, you know, when, when you have no padding on your fists. Yeah. Um, it's just a whole different ball of wax. And for me, I think that like it was very different when I was watching MMA back in the day where you at least could adjust your game plan if you broke your hand or if you broke your hmm. orbital or something, you could take the guy down and switch things up. That's not the case. The only thing you can do is stand up and trade. Um, and it's it's pretty brutal. No question. Yeah, and I'll tell you, the two-minute rounds, man, that's not a lot of time to make adjustments. I mean, those no. are, it's almost like a – a tough man contest. Uh, yeah, look, here's the other problem, though, I have. Like, I'm not watching it unless it's Eddie Alvarez and Mike Perry. Like, I'm not mm. watching the other well, fights. Right. 
So, I mean, like, again, and hats off to the UFC again, because, you know, the name branding that you get even fighting in the UFC, if you've been around for a while, that's what attracted people to that fight. Like, I, I didn't watch any of the other fights, but that fight, because of the marquee value, well, let's see what happens in that. You know right. what I mean? So you need that. And, you know, if they I don't think they have enough of those guys to go around. But it looks like I guess they're doing good. I don't, I don't know. But that's that. We got to give it a little more time, but that would be uh, that would be interesting if you called that. You know, I think you'd have to watch it a bunch of times and kind of get immune to it, and then it might seem normal. Right? Uh, maybe the same way what happened with MMA. A lot of people came out thinking MMA was just absolutely bad shit, crazy, but now yeah. it's it's the norm. Jeremy Stevens taking on Jimmy Rivera. Jimmy Rivera putting down the badge and gun to compete there against Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens won that fight. But yeah, I, Kenny and I were just texting about this, so I figured I would bring it to the air. And Jason, maybe part of what you were sort of alluding to was what I'm about to say here. I think, Kenny, I wrote to you, as much as I support some of the power slap athletes and how I think watchable that can be at times, I said, for me, the bare knuckle stuff, bare knuckle boxing is a little power slappy for me, right? That it's, yeah. um, I don't know, that it's like you can't wholly protect yourself. You know, I mean, yes, you yeah. can, but if you want to be offensive in bare knuckle boxing, like you can't totally protect yourself. It's not a long-term game. And yeah, a lot of these guys, obviously, I mean, Mike Perry, I think could be a prime MMA athlete still, but Eddie Alvarez obviously is in the twilight of his career as sharp as he looked. I don't know. There's something about it for me. That's a little bit off-putting and yet, um, you know, I couldn't wait to text you about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, man. I, I, I it's. You know, in some ways, you're glad that some of these guys that are, are have stopped fighting for certain organizations that they have another way outside of MMA to to make some money as well. But man, is it a tough way to make money? Gosh. Yeah. What else you got, John? No, that's it. I was going to oh, let Ray go. I just had go I, ahead, Ken Flo. I wanted to bring something up. Sorry Please. to switch topics, but did you guys see the uh, Misha Tate Avila fight? Where you know, it. Was, it was awesome, amazing performance from, yeah. from Misha. Yeah. But I thought there was another referee mistake there from Montalvo, who hmm. watched Misha hold on to the cage for maybe 30 seconds. Like, she used not only did she hold on to the cage, but she held on to the cage to avoid the knee bar, and then she like held, held onto it to kind of avoid the sweep, and then she was using it <laughs> to hit shots. And Montalvo's looking at her, holding the cage the whole time, swiping at her hand, like, stop that. Stop. How many times do we need to do that? Like if someone gets hit in the nuts, like you stop it immediately right? and you're like, all right, yeah. stop. But like, I don't know what, why isn't that treated as the same thing, especially if you're using it as an advantage. I'm not, if this could be anybody, it, it's, I'll, you know, assuming it's yeah, not right, Misha exactly, or whatever, because yeah. you know, Misha looked great and it's awesome to see her back on the, in the wind column, but to see a referee see something that was blatant right in front of him again, similar to Hatley and not do anything about it. Like, there was a warning. At what point is it a, a one-point deduction? Like, you're using it as an advantage. And he let the whole fight play out. He never stopped it. He never put them back to their feet. Like, mm. I, to me, it was that was uh, that was a bad one as well, I thought, that not a lot of people were talking about for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I, you know what happened? I raced home from the gym, so I, I, <clears throat> I got home just in, like, probably the middle of the first round. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I, I can't say I really 
saw it, to be honest with you. I don't know why, oh, but I was, uh, I was well, still I juggling around. Yeah. Yeah. Jason, no, what do you think about it? I'm glad you brought it up. And I think referees, I guess the only brief point I'm like, referees are inconsistent to me in those yeah. spots. Consistently inconsistent. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's all you can ask for is consistency. We didn't that's get it on all, Saturday that, night. But yeah, it was glaring. There's no we, doubt about it. That's all we wanted. But judging with refing, just be who you are so at least we know what to do. Yeah. All right, Ray, I need three more minutes of, of your yeah. time, and then we'll let you get to your Monday. Uh, I can already tell you, hip feels great. You just have a nice, I rosy demeanor. Unbelievable. All right. And the, the uh, metabolic effects of that matcha green tea are undeniable. Woo-hoo. Yeah, oh, yeah, All I'm right. on fire. So, I have two final <laughs> items, two final items. And, uh, you know, your efficiency would be appreciated. I'm sure the minute Mad would like you to be super fucking long winded here. So whatever you want to do. Algernon no, Sterling. Obviously, he has a platform. He wants to compete seemingly at 145 pounds against Max Holloway. It's interesting for me to, ha- to hear some of my colleagues say they like Aljo at 35 still. I, I don't want him making that cut anymore, at least for now. I do want to see him at featherweight. I know you might not have anything resembling inside information, but what can you tell us about Aljamain Sterling? Uh, opponent or otherwise, division or otherwise, what's next for Aljo? Man, I, I don't know what's next for Aljo. Last time I saw him, I think he was about 205. So <laughs> I don't yep. think he's looking at 135 anytime in the near future. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Those guys went back to um, back to Vegas and – I really haven't talked to him, so I really don't know. But uh, back to I Vegas, he, get he, away from the. Uh, I, the I'm here, rum- Marshall Ray Longo. Yeah, oh, I'm hearing rumblings that you know he's definitely going to 45. So, okay. oh, nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah All right. Definitely. And last thing, and it's a nice segue you gave us in terms of Las Vegas. So right. So if you don't know, uh, you know, Kenny Florian has been nominated for Analyst of the Year. Ray Longo has been nominated for Coach of the Year. Oh, there you go. Holy uh, shit. You got an audience over there? You like that? Uh, you know, I have accepted a ninth nomination for Personality of the Year, and uh, we have already, um, you know, acknowledged we're not going to win that award. But we're all going to Las Vegas in large part because the Anakin Florian podcast was nominated this week no, for is- best this MMA actually programming. Off. So we might actually win this award. So. Our audience wow. suggests that Ray Longo has the best chance to win the individual award, followed closely oh. by Kenny Florian. Our audience suggests I don't have a chance to win personality of the year. You got <laughs> Chael Sonnen, Joe Rogan, right? Laura Sanko, not going to happen for me. That's fine. Best MMA programming, Anakin Florian podcast, right? So Ken Flo's flight is booked. Jason Anik is coming out. I don't know if Brian Petrie is going to join us as yet. I will be there. Cody is working on a flight. Matt Frivola suggests that he's working on some behind-the-scenes content out there involving you, you, Ray Longo, are twice nominated this year. Word on the street is that you are going to be in Las Vegas. Is there any any truth there? <laughs> I, got, I, mean, uh, I look originally. I think I was coming. I got to make a couple of calls today, but I did get offered a, a movie part, and it's shoot. I, I go Wednesday. Uh, I thought it was all bullshit because it was going on for a while, and then they said <laughs> no, December thirteenth. The the, the wardrobe people called me up, and I'm like, wow. The 13th, I got to go to Vegas. I think I'm in this. So I got to see if there's a. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I John. To see <laughs> oh, look at that. Yeah, baby. Let's go. Oh, I love it. All day long. Give me all of that.
Uh, Mongo, I wanted to see you out in Vegas with the uh, with like the tuxedo rash guard on, like yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was yes. nice. So Ray, I got So I don't know. I'm in a conundrum right now. I got to figure it out today. But I was so originally. You're I was originally going. Yeah, right. why not that? originally going, right? Not going for the sake of the show or or frivolous behind the scenes content, but because there's a movie part. That would be the impetus. No, I understand it. You're not going to come out to Vegas for largely some recreation to clap for some other people to win. So I understand. <laughs> but, so, right, so Ronnie Pellegrino, who owns the Paradise Cantina, he has a suite for you at the Virgin. And if you don't want the suite, we just need to know. Oh, you know right, like eventually we got a cutoff here and, and I, you know, I, the suite's going to go to somebody else. I'm making a decision by six o'clock tonight. All right, got to make a couple phone calls. Well, yeah, because uh, I mean, the original thing was that we were going out there, and then me and Frivola were flying into Jersey because we have a couple of guys from the gym fighting at the CFFC, and you know oh. it's going to be. So All we right. were getting on a flight early Friday, so we did have it. We did kind of talk about it, but. You know, John, when you're a thespian, you know, things come up. And, <laughs> you know, it's like kind of. I understand. I understand. Guess what kind of role? Guess what kind of role? Because I'm stretching. I'm stretching on this one. Mob boss? <laughs> yeah, bouncer. <laughs> An Italian guy who's a bouncer at the bar. Oh, the door. Nice. <laughs> Amazing. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Is that it? Now you embarrass yeah. me in front no, of No, we're going to let you go. I just want Thank on the you. wide shot to show you my T-shirt. My red minute shirt. Anakin Florian okay. Podcast show the, presents. Show him on the close shot. Yeah, let me see. Anakin Florian Thank Podcast you, Jason. presents the Ray Longo Minute. Jay, you can talk me through this. Move your microphone out of the uh, move your microphone the other way. Oh, look at this. Why go. don't you direct people to the website? Oh, johnanik.com. Pick up that. You know, we tried to give Ray Longo one of these, but he wasn't gonna wear his own face because he's a humble guy, which yeah, we have mad respect for. But uh Joe Romero, who designed these. Uh, incredible, talented guy. Uh, he would love to get you wearing one of these. I got to get you a mug. Maybe I'll oh, get him a mug with his face. If, if, the, if the guy who designed it, I definitely would do that. I knew you sure. would. That's uh, what we'll I said. Send it to your daughters, uh, although they think you'll look great as is. A hundred, really look at nicely this. raised daughters. <laughs> Ooh, and let up, you see a little saliva? That'll work. Yeah. Right, we've taken 40 minutes of your time. Have a great day and a better evening. The star. All right, guys, John, I'm going to call you later. Pick up the Dude, phone. Dude, if I'm one of those phone calls, I'll take your call. I mean, should I, should I, should I call from Kenny's phone? Would that help? <laughs> Jesus Christ, you guys are brutal. <laughs> Jason, hey, here. call me later. Jason, you saved the show, buddy. Thanks. Raymond, I'll talk to you. Love you. Peace. Take it easy, guys. All right, there he is. <laughs> I'm right long every week here on the Attic and Florian podcast. All right. We got to move things forward. UFC fight night, Song versus Gutierrez. Shanghai, China, or the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada? I think it's going to be at the Apex. Let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And the time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. And for that particular exercise, we call on the capable mind of yes. Brian Petrie. Apologize for the weight the host of the You're MMA takes. Kidding me? Was that okay to keep you? Yeah, I mean Ray. Ray killed it. I mean, I was laughing. He was dancing. I mean, it's fucking. It's the Ray Longo show, babe. We love it. <laughs> you look incredible, by the way. Thank you. With the blue and the green. Hey. Nice lighting there. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. You got it. How was work today, Big Brian? 
It was it was uh, hurt my shoulder. I uh, I'm not a young pup anymore. I delivered to a construction site and it was a blade, a big huge saw blade. Like I mean, this was my reach, and I was like, I got it. No, I don't need a two wheeler. And I picked it up and I hoisted it up and I carried it. And of course, the guy needed it somewhere else and uh, tweaked the shoulder a little bit. But we're all right. We're all right. We're doing all right. Got some picks for us. So uh, Cincinnati Bengals tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Monday Night Football taking on the yes. Jacksonville Jaguars. 10-point underdogs. Joe Burrow, incidentally, not with a ball club in a sling, in a cast, yeah. wrist injury. I think he had surgery of some kind, right? Yeah. And he was at the UFC live event in Austin, Texas. What'd you think about that? Uh, I saw him. I saw him. And then Kiesa posted a picture. Uh, I knew he had surgery. He's in a sling all wrapped up. Uh, yeah, a little surprised. I mean, I know it's Monday Night Football. It's in, it's in Jacksonville. But, you know, I know he's a huge UFC fan. Maybe he had surgery. I know he didn't have surgery in Cincinnati. Maybe he had it in California, stopped on his way back. Don't know. Um, yeah. yeah, it was good seeing him there. I mean, he's he's a huge, he's a, uh MMA fan. I love it. Diehard UFC fan. Yes. But I know what you're trying to say. You're going to yeah. make the lead voice of the UFC say a little surprising to see Joe Burrow maybe not be there for Jake Browning, but maybe he's on his way. I'm sure he'll I be there. I think he's right? on his way. Yeah, yeah. I think he'll be there. I think he'll be there. But yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, they're practicing all week. I figured he maybe pop right. back. To the same. I was surprised too. I was like, Ooh, I don't know about that, but uh, you know, let him hey, live his life. When there's a chance to ingest a UFC live event, too bad. Got we won't see it. Joe Burrow on the Joe Rogan experience, but maybe at some point <laughs> in the not too distant future. <clears throat> all right. I'm going to update the standings. If I could, excuse cool. me, coffee. Dude, went you out need the me to update way. the standings. Yeah. Can you read that right there? <laughs> Read that. Isn't this great? Update the standings there in italics. Thanks. There in italics. Oh, Florian with a four and three week plus $133, including three units on Sean Brady. Sean Brady's only loss to Bilal. Remember the name, Muhammad. Uh, he had two units on Armin Sarugan Petrie, also four and three, but minus 404, courtesy of three units on Kelvin Gastelum and a yes. two unit loss on Bob Font. Yes. So Kenflo oh. picks up a little bit of territory, but uh, still probably insurmountable. Yes. What are, What are the total scores? It was a total. So it's still like a thirty eight hundred dollar discrepancy. No. So it's going to take some seriously take crazy some swings, things Ken. for uh, hey, for Team Florian to overtake I Team believe. Petrie. But let us come up on UFC Fight Night Song versus Gutierrez UFC Apex Saturday, December 9th. All of these odds, courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook. We got one prelim to predict. I was very impressed with Kevin Airjuice in his UFC debut. As such, I thought I would get a little bit of the handicap from Kenny Florian and Brian Petrie. We got Kevin Juice minus 170, Song Kanan plus 142. So Air Juice UFC debut came earlier this year. Now he draws Song Kanan, China's song. Five and three in the UFC, third start of the year, Brian Petrie. Mm -hmm. Plus 142 on the Song Kanan side. Which way are you going? Kevin Jusay is a tall drink of water, boys, for welterweight. He's 6'2". He's well put together. Uh, I've heard rave reviews out of him on a city kickboxing. Good grappler. Has kind of a karate style. Keeps it long. But uh, likes to get the fight to the ground and finish. And Song Kanong is chaotic. This dude is killed or be killed. I'm going to knock you out. You're going to knock me out. That's one way or another. He dropped Ian Gary. He took Ian Gary down twice in their fight. Um, the guy's got some pop. He's got some snap. Plus 142. You know, you're looking. You're not looking at a, a worse dog there. If you want to take that price, I mean, you say only want to know in the UFC, but I like his skill. I like his upside. I like his distance. If the fight gets uh, taken to the ground, I think he dominates here. I think we're looking at a finish, maybe submission TKO finish here for Kevin Jusay. So uh, give me the give me the favorite there. I like that. That's a good play there. At minus one seventy. Can flow. Kevin Jusay minus one seventy. Song Kanon plus one forty two. Which way you go? 
Yeah, Kanan Kanan definitely going to be more dangerous on the feet. Um, but he's so inconsistent, man. It, it's tough to uh, predict reliably what he's going to do in a fight. But and I think Juice you know has enough on the feet to kind of stay out of harm's way. He doesn't really take a whole lot of risks there. Um, sometimes he's a little stiff in front of his opponents, but um, I do think that uh, if he can mix in those takedowns like Brian was talking about, uh, that's where he can really take over and potentially even finish the fight. So um, I like say there. All right, that brings us to the main card at middleweight. The Iron Turtle, Junyong Park. So Kenny's going to go to his wife later and be like, dude, John was like height of annoyance today. So... <laughs> The Iron Turtle nickname Bri was thinking about yeah. too as I was prepping the show actually comes in the middle. It's Jun Yong, the Iron Turtle Park. I mean, I think you got to bang this thing on the front of the name, like <laughs> front of the yeah. name, like Big Gun Brian Peachy, right? The Iron Turtle Jun Yong Park is minus 205. Andre Sergipato Muniz is plus 170. How about the Iron Turtle? Seven and two in the UFC. Bri's won four mm-hmm. in a row, last three by submission. And that includes a triumph over Albert Duraya back on July 15th. Now on the cusp of the rankings, probably right there. Mm-hmm. They'll try to close out the year with a big win over Andre Muniz, who is struggling a little bit. Brian Petrie, we need a prediction here. Park the favorite or Muniz the dog? I can't get enough of the Iron Turtle. This guy's beating everyone. Rear naked, choking him, getting up, doing a little dance. This guy's got a little swag, doing a little charisma. Good chin. His only two losses you have seen are by his, I mean, listen, he, he fought really good guys, but he fought a little dumb against RoboCop, got clipped, got knocked out. That's going to happen. Fought a little dumb and a little lack of days ago against Anthony uh, Fluffy Hernandez. Got submitted. That's going to happen. Both those guys are studs. Other than that, he's solid. Good takedown offense, good cardio, fight IQ right there on the brink, but I think he's starting to kind of put together. And uh, I like the Iron Shirter. I think he's, he, I think he's a stud. And Munez, here's a guy who's great on the ground. He'll take your arm. He'll take your neck. But he's been exposed. And He's a dangerous fighter in this situation because he's 0-2, two finishes. I think if he goes out here and drops an egg, does not look good, does not pick up a win, he might be out of the UFC, might be out of a job. So he's a dangerous guy coming in here. I can see him maybe pulling guard a few times if he can't get the takedown because his wrestling isn't great. It's more power-based. He's a ripped-up dude. But I like the Iron Turtle. I've fallen in love with them. Give me five unis on the Iron Turtle. I had a rough week last week. I need to get back on it. And uh, I think the winner fights my guy, Bo Nickel. I think this is they're, they're auditioning Bo Nickel opponents right here. So give me the Iron Turtle. I would like to see that fight in the future. Like the forward matchmaking and forward thinking on a Monday yeah. there. Big gun Brian Petrie with a five-unit play. $1,025 on Junyong Park. Kenny, on the other side, Sergio Pano, 15 career wins by submission, but back-to-back losses to Brendan Allen and Paul Bearjew Craig here in 2023 have him in danger of losing three straight in the UFC. Never a good thing. Your thoughts on him here? Plus 170 against the Iron Turtle, Jun Yong Park. Yeah, this is this is an interesting one. I, I think that um, you know Park uh, obviously has way more momentum, way more consistency. I don't think he's faced the same level uh, of Mooney's last two opponents that he lost to. Um, so I don't know. Like, do I see Park? Um, submitting Muniz? No. Do I see him knocking out, knocking him out? Maybe. Um, you know, he he does have some some decent power. Um, I, I I just have yet to really see him comfortable for like every round in the UFC. Um, he does have a tendency of of making mistakes in fights. I think that would be 
troublesome against someone like Muniz on the ground. However, um, I don't know what happened to Muniz's submission game. Like, was it always not that great and he was getting lucky or was he just overly aggressive early on in his career? And now he's being more calculated and it's taking away from his ability to to finish and be effective. I, I don't know what's going on, but it doesn't look great for Muniz because, you know, I, like so many Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioners, they're not the best with their takedowns. And you could be good, but if you're not great at the highest level in the UFC, that's going to affect you as you start to take on better and better opponents. Now, for me, Park doesn't have crazy high-level takedown defense. Um, and when I'm looking at both of these guys um, who do kind of silly things at times during fights – I'm going to go with the underdog here. I, I, I think Muniz um, is interesting as an underdog pick. Um, you know, I, I think there's value there. And because of that, I'm going to go with Muniz. But um, I, I, I don't I'm not high on him as a fighter moving up in that in that division. But uh, I, I think there's enough potential for him to get it done here in an upset against Park. All right, nicely done. Moving on to the lightweight division. Nasrat Hack Perest, minus 218. Jamie Malarkey is plus 180. All right, busy 2023 bride for Jamie Malarkey thus mm -hmm. far. Actually was supposed to fight Nasrat Hackbrass back in March to begin the year. Now it shall be done. Malarkey looking strong in a close win over John Desi his last time out. Hackbrass on the other side looked good as well. That was a longer time ago. Landon Quinones actually recently September. Two in a row for Nasrat Hackbrass, favored to make it three in a row. Sneaky big one here at Lightweight Brian Petrie, who takes it. This is a coin flip. This is the odds to me are a little, little off on this fight. So usually that leads me to take the underdog, but Jamie Malaki, this ah. guy's inconsistency just scares me. I called him my nickname, him cement head, right? Because there's times where he won't go down. He just takes shots. Yeah. I'm here. Then other times he gets clipped and gets put out. It's like, what are we going to see here? He's trying to mix everything together. You know, he's trying to evolve as a mixed martial artist and try to put his striking together with his takedowns. Sometimes it comes off a little flat to me. Other performances are better. That's the MMA world. And then you're entering here against Nasrat Haparaz, who I thought was going to be the next big thing. Very quick hands, very power, or excuse me, very quick hands, speedy, volume great. There's just no power there. He's got one finish in the UFC. And I really think he's turned a corner with some confidence issues. And I think he looked good against Landon Quinones on short. Uh, Landon was a huge underdog and they, they went out there and he landed 175 strikes over Landon. So um, I think speed kills. And again, I want to take Jamie Malarkey with this plus money. It's staring at me, burn a hole in me, but uh, I just think Haparaz is going to win a decision here. I would like to play Haparaz and, and, and I would advise all the Anakin Florian listeners that maybe sprinkle, maybe little, maybe little spritz on the, uh, this fight is won by split decision by either man, because that's going to be a good number. And I think this fight's going to be close. All right, Nasrat Hakparas, still just 28 years of age. Kenny, 7-4 and four in the UFC. Injuries have been part of the narrative with him. You know, once I heard Jamie Cementhead Malarkey, I, <laughs> I stopped paying attention to everything else that Petrie said. I think that's a great nickname, albeit not that flattering. <laughs> Ken Flo, you like Nasrat Hakparas or the Cementhead Jamie Malarkey? Okay, listen, I thought Brian did a beautiful breakdown here. So I, I'm actually surprised he didn't go with Malarkey. He may not go with Malarkey, but I'm going to go with Malarkey. I need mm -hmm. points. I mean, I, now I'm just being a competitive asshole at this stage. But <laughs> no, I, I think it is going to be close. And I think that, you know, they're going to have some exchanges. And I think Malarkey probably has the better chance of maybe hurting 
Hack Perast. Um, I, I think Brian is spot on. I, I think Hack Perast doesn't really have a, a potent finishing game. Um, and because of that, he's in a lot of close decisions. And I'm not sure you can do that against someone like Malarkey, who's going to be in your face, who's going to be pressuring you. Um, I like the fact that he's the underdog. I see value there. So give me yeah. Malarkey. Yeah. Nice. All right. Next up, featured bout in the flyweight division, Alan Nascimento. I think we go Nascimento on the broadcast, even though Kenny, he cuts himself off. So Alan Nascimento, he's won two in a row. Modest 270, the favorite here against Sumu Darji, who is plus 220. Sumu Darji has not fought since that 2022 fight of the year candidate against Matt Schnell. That was July 16 last year. So the layoff on that side, about 18 months. On the other side, Nascimento withdrew from a scheduled June matchup with Tim Elliott. So he hasn't fought since January. I kind of like this matchmaking here, Brian, 125 mm-hmm. pounds. Do you have a selection for our fine viewers and listeners? I do. do you got, I know no one goes to stores anymore. And maybe, you know, I'm 37. So I remember used to walking into Best Buy or, or Media Play, which is a big one over here. And they'd have the bargain bins, right? And you dump, yeah, what, what's in the bargain bin? This is a bargain bin buyout here for Alan Nascimento. He should be a minus 500. Wow. Sumajari, Sumajari's a stud. I think the fight with Schnell took a lot out of him. Nascimento is sticky. He's heavy on top. His first two losses in UFC were split decisions, super close, high level. Then he's went and dominated. Nascimento is safe on the feet. He gets you down. He smothers you. He takes control. I think this is a great number. I'm kind of whispering. So the Vegas books and people don't <laughs> listen so I can get the number cheaper. I like Nascimento big here. If I didn't like the Iron Tour, so so big this would be a five unit whack for me uh give me alan nascimento here for sure can flow alan nascimento modest 270 at least right now on DraftKings sportsbook sumo darji comes back plus 220 your thoughts petrie's on fire he's on fire i'm <laughs> on to it as well i like this a lot i am gonna put five units on nascimento i think he's just better everywhere man i think um sumo darji is resilient he's tough he's fun to watch but skill-wise, I just don't think he, he's got it here with Nascimento. Crazy things can happen because Sumadarji mm-hmm. is insanely uh, tough and durable. But I think Nascimento has too much of an arsenal here. And, um, yeah, this is this yeah. is pretty clear. And I agree with Brian. Um, I, I thought the number would be a lot bigger for Nascimento. All right, right back to Ken Flo on the co-headliner between light heavyweight contenders – the Warhorse, Khalil Roundtree Jr., minus 238. I got to call a fight. Like, maybe that's what I got to do. It's just been too long. <laughs> so, Tapology lists Khalil Roundtree Jr., Ken Flo, as the Warhorse. Kind of like it. The fucking Warhorse. Khalil Roundtree Jr. is minus 238. Anthony Lionheart Smith is plus 195. So, Roundtree Jr. was to face Azamat Mirzakhanov last week in Austin, Texas. Mirzakhanov reportedly got pneumonia. We wish him well, but... Now it'll be the former world title challenger, my colleague, good friend of the program, Anakin Florian podcast listener, Anthony Lionheart-Smith, stepping in on short notice for what'll be his third fight of the year. Kenny Smith got past Ryan Spam by split back in August in Singapore. Now, for Anthony Smith, his 56th professional MMA fight crazy. comes against the streaking Roundtree Jr. Who do you like, Ken? Yeah, crazy. Um, you know, I, I think Roundtree 
uh, several years ago was one of those guys that was very inconsistent. It was tough to figure out what Roundtree was going to show up. I think he's found a lot more consistency now. Um, I know he's been training way more seriously now as well, really trying to improve his overall game. Um, and he was he's coming into this fight. Uh, in shape, right? He was supposed to fight before, uh, and for me, Anthony Smith was not. So th- that that's um, a big question mark for me and Anthony Smith, who I think still to this day, um, you don't know which Anthony Smith I- is going to turn up. He's a guy that looks like he could maybe be a champion in his division, and there's other times where you're like, man, what is he doing out there? So I don't know, and I don't love the fact that he's taking this on short notice because I think if Anthony Smith is going to be more reliable, I would think that it would be an Anthony Smith that has been in camp, that's working on game planning, and that's not going to be the case here. Roundtree is extremely dangerous. He's extremely dangerous with his leg kicks. Anthony Smith has struggled with that in the past, blocking cap kicks, blocking leg kicks. You do not want to be on one wheel against someone like Roundtree. He is violent. When he gets in the pocket, Mm. uh, he's trying to pound your head through the canvas, and um, that's where Anthony Smith has to be really careful. I think that he's also going to be down on athleticism and speed tremendously in this fight. I think Anthony Smith can win this fight by taking down Roundtree. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think that's his, his easiest path to victory. Um, I think that we'll probably see him try to do that early in that fight. If he's able to do that, Anthony Smith wins this fight on the ground. He wins by either TKO or by submission. Uh, Roundtree, that, that's been a vulnerability of his. I know he's been working on it, but he's not going to be able to make up, I think, that experience gap at this stage of the game against someone like Anthony Smith. But I do like Roundtree here. I just think um, he, he's, he's going to be on fire with this striking, and I think that's going to throw Anthony Smith off of his game, um, especially if he can't establish that range and get that jab and, and lead leg going early. So yeah, you know, give me give me Khalil Roundtree. Khalil Roundtree Jr. minus two thirty eight. Anthony Smith plus one ninety five. Roundtree Jr.'s won four in a row three by stoppage. He's number eleven in the world. Lionheart number eight. Brian, I gotta think you have to begin the handicap with the fact that Anthony Smith has not had a training camp. And I, I slightly disagree with Kenny because I actually kind of like that. If this was a guy who maybe had 11 fights, it'd concern me. But 56 fights, I feel like a short training camp, kind of like what Michael Bisping did at the end of his career, he might get burnt out because I feel like the times Anthony Smith, we've seen him lately, he seems just a little lethargic. And we all have that theory, one foot in, one foot out, because he's doing the, the, the Bisping podcast. He's on the desk. You know, he might be calling fights soon. The one foot in, one foot out mentality is is something that we we, we all concerned about as a capper. But I like the short notice, dangerous pickup fight here. Khalil Roundtree's a fucking monster. Mm-hmm. You have to be a little bit scared when you step in with And I kind of like that for him. Maybe that's getting him up. Kenny hit the nail on the head, though. Leg kicks. Anthony Smith just eats leg kicks. We've seen him get chewed up in the past. That concerns me. Khalil Roundtree, on the other hand, has dealt with guys who are longer Poorly, you know, Machine Practico kept him at distance, lost the decision. Dustin Jacoby kept him at distance. He lost the decision. Or I think he might have won that fight, but it's a close fight. Either way, if Anthony Smith comes in here, stays long, and if somehow gets the fight to the ground, I like him. Uh, I know Cody's going to be upset because Cody loves the mythical Khalil from Thailand roundtree because when he trains Mm -hmm. in Thailand, he's a different beast. Um, And I think the easy and smart pick would be clear around you. I think that if you're if you're loading up, 
you give that, but this is a numbers game. Kenny went round she I'm gonna go Anthony Smith. I haven't picked the dog yet. I'm not a chalk bitch. Like, give me Anthony <laughs> Smith, baby. Um, I, I like think it. he I think he has to win with distance and hitting the fight on the ground. Yep. All right, main event, Bantamweight division, Song Yadong minus 395, and Chris Gutierrez plus 310. Bri, we'll lead with you on this one. Yeah. I was surprised that this was as wide a yes. spread as it is. So 12 times, though, Song Yudong has fought in the UFC and against a lot of good competition. He's only lost twice. So most of the time, he gets you to the window. Um, now, after a stoppage win for him over the very highly touted Ricky Simone and what was the main event back in April, he's in a big spot again against the first-time UFC headliner. Factory X is Chris Gutierrez. Similar UFC record for him, 8-2-1, and one, Bri. Mm-hmm. A win here would really catapult Gutierrez, right? Song Yudong, number yes. 7. Gutierrez on the outskirts, number 14 in the world. Who do you have for us? Main event, UFC Apex, Saturday night. We got tail of two guys here. Song Yudong, I felt like kind of got put on the main card right away and was like, hey, look at this shiny guy from Team Alpha Male. That's, that's a powerhouse. And Gutierrez was a kind of a mid-carder prelim fighter for a while. And now they're headlining and they're both fantastic fighters. I agree. The line is wide. I almost already bet Gutierrez. I'm like, that line is wide. But then I sat and thought about it. This is the fight that's been keeping me up. Because Song Yudong's so good, and he's fought so many good people. The Ricky Simone fight, I have Ricky Simone very ranked very highly on my own personal list. Knocking him out in the fifth round like that, unbelievable. The fight with Corey Sandhagen got stopped because of a cut. He looked fantastic in that fight, too. And Corey Sandhagen's a motherfucker. Corey Sandhagen is going to fight for a title. Then you got Chris Gutierrez, who likes to fight at his own pace. There's not a ton of volume. He's very pretty in there. Those leg kicks are nasty. His movement's great. Spinning back fists every once in a while. You know, as Dana back around Columbus, Clipped them, knocked them out. I was there for that. Um, you know, there's some shiny stuff on Gutierrez, but I don't like how he just doesn't throw enough. And if you get a guy like Song Yudong, who's good at create chaos, who's been five rounds, I've seen Gutierrez slow down in three round fights. Song Yudong's going to come out. He's going to come aggressive. He's going to make chaos. He wants another knockout. Back to back main event knockouts is skyrocketing this guy. We've he's been hyped for years. Now we're going to start getting in there. He, he's going to get the rematches. He's going to fight the big names. Um, I like Song Yudong here by knockout. I do think the line is wide. I'll probably play it by knockout, but I think Song is 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 on the verge of becoming a, a special fighter, in my opinion. So give me Song Yudong. Song Yudong minus 395 right now. Kenny, Chris Gutierrez in camp right now with Brandon Royball, who will fight for the belt coming up on December 16th. Huge couple of weeks for Mark Montoya and everybody at Factory X. Cody Brundage getting a big win this past weekend. Your thoughts on Gutierrez here? Plus 310, Ken Flo, in the main event. Yeah, you know, Brian, earlier John was saying how he probably wouldn't be able to call a, a, a BKFC fight. Um, I wouldn't be able to call a Song Yadong fight because I'd just be like, yeah, there he is. He, he's kicked Yadong. He's cut <laughs> yeah. Yadong. Yeah. You can see right Yadong now. bloody in the center <laughs> of the octagon. I wouldn't be able to avoid any of those puns because I'm an absolute child. But anyway, Song <laughs> uh, Yudong is, is an awesome fighter. I, I think that um, Brian's spot on here. You know, I, I think he's just got too many weapons and he doesn't allow a fighter to really settle in very much uh, these days. I, I think that, you know, because he moves so well, because he has a lot of different weapons, because he's become more versatile as a fighter, I don't think he's ever going to allow Gutierrez to get into that rhythm that you were talking about, Brian. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's spot on. When he's comfortable and he's able to pick you apart, get in, get out, and fight his fight, 
yeah, you know, Gutierrez just takes over and he can cruise. Um, but I think at this stage with Song and all all the experience that he's gotten at this stage of the game, I I think Song Yudong uh, wins this fight. Um, I I I. I I think it might be close early, you know, first five to 10 minutes, but I think Song Yudong is going to take over. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm going with here. Nice. All right, we'll see uh, where he closes. Brian Petrie, anything else for you before we let you get on with the rest of your Monday? Yeah, I uh, I want to say one thing. The UFC this past weekend, the production team, John, I know you know all those guys obviously work for the company. They did a phenomenal job with all the packages they gave from Mark Montoya, Elias Deodoro, those are really touching. Uh, my best friend, um, a guy who, John, you met in Vegas with me, uh, he just got diagnosed with colon cancer. Uh, he's mm. the same age as me. He's having surgery December 7th uh, this week. So, and obviously my mom has cancer. So what they did for the production-wise and everything and, and having the families there was phenomenal. So please, I, just, I know this is a bigger platform and you, you got your guys in the conduct, uh, production squad uh, and they did a great job. I just want to say thank you for doing such a touching uh, tribute to those people. No, thank you for acknowledging that. That Stuart Scott fight night is one of the more yeah. special evenings of the year. And and certainly uh, I've worked it in the in the past. I didn't work it this year. But, yeah, those guys always do a great job. It's a heavy night to prepare for. So it shout is. out yeah. to the entire live event production team. Brian Petrie at Brian Petrie MMA on social media. Thanks, brother. We will uh, we will talk to you next week in advance of the big one, UFC 296. I think, don't tell Ken Flo, but nine picks from you guys coming up next Monday. So, uh, oh, let's, do it. let's do it. See you, boys. All right, Brian Petrie with us for the main event challenge. We're going to get on out of here. Jay, you got anything else for us before? <clears throat> I got nothing. Good right. stuff today. All right. Don't forget, johnannick.com is now live for all of your merchandise needs, all of the new designs for the Anakin Florian podcast. Also, check out kennyfloriandmartialarts.com. If you go to johnannick.com, it links directly to kennyfloriandmartialarts.com. Also on Instagram, be sure to check out Ken Flo's company, Argus Integrated Defense. Jay and I will be back with Anik Squared here on the DraftKings YouTube channel with 10 NFL against the spread selections coming up here for week 14. Also, don't forget Jason and Bilal Muhammad. Remember the show coming up Thursday on the Anakin Florian Podcast YouTube channel. All right, for Jason Anik, Ray Longo, Brian Petrie, and my man, Ken Flo, we got to get on out of here. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy the fights this weekend, and uh, we will talk to you in less than seven days in advance of UFC 296. Until then. Time I start a verse, I break at least three commandments. Kinda like Pluto because I never plan it. I'm outlandish in the way they make the patches look like they own ranches. It's the art of war. Your blood's the only color on the canvas. And I don't mean it like a thug sense of how you can get God. Fuck being gangsta, I'm hip-hop. You got it. Every time you walk in the label, the A&R's like, not it. Immune to your shit because I circle, circle, dot, dot it. Body heat is a toxic leak. Got a beat, I don't got it. Speak copies, start to think psychically. Make the speakers speak elitistly. Off the high horse, make an ass of their views. Your DJ must not know the alphabet for getting his cues. My favorite DJ got those are six extra L's to abuse. Esoteric John P and I'm the new kid at school. I'm Raider Ellis. Nice to meet you. Show busting my styles. Egocentric, ego tripping with frequent fly smiles. DJ wants to get in the bird. He gets in the bird. And bird takes the shot. He's- you want to sit it on us? We got commandos on us. We rep the veterans. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo. 
Now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckler SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. 